Once that's come by, why don't you grab a Bible and open up to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. Still got that song going in my head. The rising sun song, isn't that good? I want to just say a word here too. Uh, just uh, just a moment ago, um, my, my dad and mom walked in and so uh, we did a little Mother's Day thing and since uh, I want to do a special one for them, and uh, then on both sides of them is Leonard, that's Kim's stepdad, and her mom. And so those four people sitting there have had a tremendous impact on our lives. And my mom often says, she said, I, she'll say, I didn't do anything great but raise up three kids. That's my crown. That's the jewels in my crown. And I just want to say to both mom and to Vita, you know, what happens here and what's being touched around the world because of what's happening here is directly connected to you guys in the way that you raised us. And uh, say that to Dad and to Leonard, your great influence in our lives as well. And so I think it would be appropriate as this people to honor them. So if you would, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for Mom and Dad. Amen. Amen. Great. Hallelujah. It's good. Okay. They're going to be all... We're having lunch together and they're all going to be real happy that I did that. Dad will have me in a headlock. Son. Okay. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. We are finishing a series today that I've entitled Joy Beyond Words and it's all kind of... You know, we started on Easter, this idea of a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And it goes down especially to verse 8 and says, Though you've not seen Him, Jesus, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and you are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. And uh, I think in a way, we've saved kind of the best for last here because this is so critical what we're going to be talking about today. We talked about having a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and then all the things that start to flow out of that. We talked about uh, a couple weeks ago, Chad preached, and we talked about having our identity solid, rooted on the foundation of the solid rock, Jesus Christ. And it's out of that place that we really can experience joy and have an identity of joy in life. And then last week, we talked about the rhythm of joy. And the rhythm of joy is, is that, you know, there's, there's ups and downs. Can I get a witness out there? It's not all just up and to the right. Now, in the big picture, it's kind of up and to the right. But all along that, that way, up and to the right, there's some of this stuff happening, right? Come on, y'all going to have to talk to me or something. Help me. And so, so that's, that's life, the rhythm of joy. And today I want to talk about community. I want to talk about being a place where joy can really thrive. You know, and we talked about last week because we've got some people that are kind of anti-joy, like that's not spiritual or something. 
Joy is absolutely spiritual. It's one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Okay? I should expect joy just like I expect love to be breaking out in my life, right? He sounds like he's on a shaky limb right now. I don't know about that. Just, I know we got just working on stuff here. Okay. So, to kind of help us a little bit, I saw a story. It's actually a, a YouTube video that's going viral. And, uh, and it's, it's called Look Up. I saw it on Facebook. Anybody seen that thing yet? Look Up. And basically, some guys in England produced this little video about how people are walking around all the time now with their heads down in electronic devices. Y'all ever seen this? Or? Tough crowd today. <laughs> Work with me. And so, uh, so phones, social media, all that kind of stuff... And it's, it's kind of done in kind of a poetry format, almost like slam poetry, except the guy's not really overly excited, but he's got that cool English accent going, and it's, and it's really interesting. And he paints a picture of a life that's lived, that actually goes two different ways. And in one instance, the guy's looking, he's on the streets of London, he's looking at, at some, a piece of paper, it's got some directions, and he can't find where he's supposed to go, and he's on the street corner, and this girl walks up, and he says, hey, you know, and he's, it's like, but the po poetry's going in the background, there's a little bit of music, you can't hear him talking, but you can tell he's talking to her, and she goes, oh, and, and she, they start walking together, because they had this interaction. Well, they end up going out on a date, and then they end up falling in love, and it, all of a sudden it shows him on his knee proposing to her just because he had this interaction with this girl. And so they end up having kids, shows him with his, with his son looking, and then shows them going through all the seasons of life together. And then it, as an old man, he's holding his daughter's grand, older grandparents aren't old. <laughs> Getting closer. <laughs> and uh, so he's holding his grandbaby, and then all of a sudden it shows him looking at a wall of pictures of all of his family that's come as a result of him meeting his wife. And then the second scene goes away. It cuts away to him. And you think, even in that first scene, what I didn't tell you, it looks like he's doing social media, but he's not. He's actually just looking at some directions. But in the second one, he actually is looking at a phone. He's looking down, and he comes to the street corner, and he's still looking down, and the woman from the other scene that became his wife, just walks right on past. He never sees her, right? And so, what a great picture it is that, that we long for community and all the possibilities that happen when our heads are up and we see one another all around us. Now, I use social media. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not the best at it. I get coaching all the time from my wonderful assistant, who's like, hey, you might tweet that, you know, or something. But, but uh, the, the deal is, though, I've got whatever, however many hundred friends, right? Friends? And uh, I tell you, it's not the same as a real relationship, is it? It's not the same as a face-to-face -face deal, you know? And what we need is love, not just likes. 
We, we need, what we need is love, not just likes. So I said, tweet that. It was out of the video, man. <laughs> so, you know, and it's not just, I'm, I'm not just picking on social media. I mean, just, it's not just social media. What I'm talking about is something that's coming against us to stop us from being the church of Jesus Christ. I mean, it's just coming against us. And it's, it's like principality and powers level kind of stuff. You know, when, when we're constantly turning inward, when we're looking to the TV, or we're looking to some other thing that would keep us from being friends and talking to each other and giving each other a hug and being glad to see each other and being glad to spend time with each other. Which, by the way, Darren Keyes, shout out, man. That was awesome. Friday night, we had a men's night, went to the Ranger game, packed out bus, hanging out with a bunch of guys that I don't always get to hang out with, and it was fun. Got to take my dad, sent a picture out on social media. <laughs> so all my friends would know. But we long for this, you guys. We were made for this. And even though it's, it's, it's harder for us to understand in American culture, you know, because a lot of what you see in the biblical culture, they were just, they did live in a village. They did raise their family, multi-generations all together. And so we have, to, we have to work at figuring this thing out. So just, it's okay. Just, it's not normal. But we're going to go for it anyway. Okay? We long for community. The whole New Testament is written to groups of people. The church, churches in different places, gathered people. In fact, grab your Bible or your electronic device. I know a lot of people read, read the Bible on, on their phones and iPads and stuff. That's great. But read the Bible. Um, so First Peter, if you just look at this, it's addressed to the scattered church, to all the peoples in all these different places. That's what First Peter is all about. And so this message that we've been hammering home about joy the last four weeks now, you know, it goes on. It talks about how you know, we're to be people that are being knit together to form a spiritual house, but we're like stones that over time God fits perfectly together. I am not the same brother without Pam Smith and without Mike Smith. And you guys know it. I mean, just we've been knit together, and it's a good thing. It's a good thing to be knit together in commitment and consecrated, solid, going for it, committed relationships. That's a good thing. God's really into that, like a spiritual house. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people, the people of God, Jew and Gentile, all these nations. Look around the room, all the different shades and hues and, and just our pigmentation and our nationalities and our economic diversities, all that kind of stuff. We weren't a people, but now we're a people. I mean, it's like, wow, it's amazing. And he says, he goes on, he says, talks to wives and husbands. Why? Because in community, the most, basic, the most basic aspect of building true community starts in the home. Wives and husbands learning to love each other, learning to be humble with each other, learning to get along, learning to prefer. Thank you. I mean, is this the truth or not? You know, and, and we, this is how community gets worked out in our lives. And so Peter he even goes on and he says, look, even in our sufferings, 
even in our sufferings, we learn to go through hard things better when we do it together. You know, I, I had a brother walk in the other day, asked me how I was doing, and it wasn't the normal, chipper, happy response. It had words like anxiety, stress, and not sleeping in it. And he just said, man, let's get in the presence of God together. And he prayed over me. It was good. It was life-giving. You know, and everything had changed just by getting with that, with that brother. Right? So, Jesus, John chapter 15, verse 11. 15, verse 11. I think I wrote 10 in the notes, but it's verse, verse 11. Um, actually, let me just read verse 9 because I've just been stuck on <laughs> verse 9 today. If you just, this is just a parenthesis, really, to the whole bigger message about joy. But Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Okay? So just let that, let that sink in. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Isn't that powerful? Will we ever get to the bottom of that? As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. He's brought us Remain in my love. He's brought us right into the love of the triune God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. In verse 11, he goes on. He says, I've told you this thing, this, all this about love and my presence and my abiding with you and all of that. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So this whole thing is, there's a connection between the love of God and the joy of Jesus. The love of God being in our lives, the joy of Jesus being in our lives. I've told you this so that you would have joy. And there's just something about Emmanuel. If we're going to be a people that walk in joy and peace and life and love, there's something about knowing that Jesus lives in us, that Jesus is with us, that He is Emmanuel. And I tell you, when I do get stressed or anxious, anybody else? Just so, so I'm not feeling so alone. Another six or seven of us. And, and so when I do get, when I feel that pressure, you know the main, best, most wonderful thing I can do is to find the presence of God. Amen. And remember that He is Emmanuel. He is God, God with us. You know, and that's what the early church preached. In fact, you could just make a good case that Peter preached this in the very first sermon ever. You know, he quotes David quoting Psalm 16, verse 11, down there at the end. It says, In His presence is the fullness of joy. And he goes on and said, Jesus was crucified, but He's Lord in Christ. What are you going to do? And, and they said, What do we do? And they said, Repent. Be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this promise is for, not just for you, but it's for Everyone, way down the line, and for your children, and their children, all the ages to come, the kids that are still coming. So, um, this is something that God wants us stirring up in our hearts today. Because what happens is, it's not just me living a life of joy in God by myself. I can play this note, whatever my joy note is. Na, 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 but when somebody else comes along and plays their joy note, na 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 you imagine the harmony. I can't do two notes at the same time. 
Then all of a sudden, something more beautiful starts to rise up in our midst. And when you're finding Emmanuel, and when you're living in Emmanuel, and when you're finding God with us, and when you're experiencing His love, and you're experiencing that joy, and we come together, and we start just not just playing one or two, but now a 350-part harmony, you know, that's together notes that are beautiful, you know, and not just, not just violins, you know, tweaked out, slightly overdriven tones, <clears throat> you know, and pick your instrument, your voice, the way you would express it. It's going to be beautiful. It's like what God wants us to do is be a people right here where heaven is breaking in in our midst, where those sounds of heaven are breaking in and that kind of love and that kind of joy and that kind of peace is breaking in and beautiful harmonies in our midst. And this thing about joy, I want to just say that it's not personality driven, that everybody longs for this. Extroverts may long for it in a different way than introverts. You know, and Chad may want to hug and chest bump and, you know, shake my hand and hold it too long or... Actually, he doesn't do that too much. You're, you're, we're good. Uh, about the Cowboys. The draft was good. But, but uh, introverts that are in our midst don't think that you don't need the group just because you do. It's just going to look different. Kim may enjoy getting together with one person more than 20 at one time or 300. She's an introvert. I'm an extrovert, you know, and I want to just, let's just, <laughs> and I come out of that with more energy, and she comes out of, she can do that for a little while, and then comes out with, with less energy, I need to be alone now for just a little bit, y'all know what I'm talking about, I'm just trying to validate, we all need the group, even though it looks different, different expressions, different ways of experiencing that joy that comes from being together, and so here's the main thing, God wants us to know and live in the fullness of His joy in His presence that can only be found in the community of Christ. So I'm going to just touch on three things this morning that's, that are kind of marks of growth. It means growing, first of all, as a community marked by joy. A community marked by joy. And uh, you know, part of what I'm uh, talking about here is having a group identity and being identified with this group enough so that you care when somebody's going through a hard time. Like you're actually committed enough here so that you get to experience what it's like to experience sorrow when somebody's going through a hard time. Or that you experience joy when somebody's rejoicing. You know, that's why Romans 12 says, rejoice with those who rejoice. But you've got to be in their lives enough to be able to rejoice when they rejoice. And you've got to be in their lives enough to be able to mourn with those who mourn, to be able to mourn when, when people are mourning. You know, so it's, there's, there's, a, there's an identity thing that's, that's huge, and especially in a very transitory, non-committal, individualistic, we're talking about worldview-level stuff here, uh, that our culture is right now. Okay? It's very... Very independent. And there's, 
There's strengths to that, but there's also weaknesses. And some of that revolve around the community aspects of walking with the Lord. Okay? So, what does it look like, this kind of joy in a group? It looks like, like seeing somebody, like seeing Joe this morning and saying, man, I'm glad to see you. Like really being glad to see people. You know, and I've, what I've experienced is when I bring that kind of joy into a situation and I'm glad to be there, and I, it's all, it, it's, I bring a lift with me, and it's not just relegated to me. When Todd's joyful and brings a joyful lift into the group, I'm glad to be here, I'm glad to see you, it lifts the whole thing up. And it's true for every single person in the room. You have something to bring, and that's that joyful identity, community together. This is a key piece, you guys, for Mother's Day. Why is that? Because moms have this incredible potential to bring something into the family sphere, right? And they can be a joyful presence. And you know what? Even in saying that, maybe you've had a bad, you know, I want to just let you off the hook. You know, if you've had a bad week or a bad month or a bad year, and maybe it's been a bad decade. But you know what? You can, all that can change starting today, moving forward. Okay, there's hope for everybody. You know, uh, one of the things I was, I was reading some stuff this week on joy, and one of the things I, I was reading about was a study that said that communities that develop hopeful daughters actually empower the entire community for joy. Now, we've got 120 little kids sub-sixth grade. 120 of them, right, in the church right now. Just, and there's lots of little girls running around, and they dance, and they like to spin, and they like to they do things that little girls like to do. And if we can be people that empower them and, and, and infuse them with hope, they're going to grow up to be women who bring hope and life and joy into their families. Just speaking, you know, uh, Kim was telling me about uh, just watching Kevin Jenkins, who's in our, in our life group, uh, one of the two life groups that just multiplied, and uh, just watching him interact with the Albright girls, you know, and how they were, he was trying to give them hugs and stuff at first. He's got two sons, I guess. Maybe give, give love to those little girls, you know. But, but, uh, but uh, uh, at first they were kind of skittish, you know, and then she said, last couple of weeks she's been watching, and they just run and they give him a hug now. Now, what that does is, you know, it empowers the next generation to believe that it's going to be hopeful for them too. So that's the kind of deal we want to, that's what we want to be about. I was reading a book by a guy named James Wilder called Joy Starts Here. And he talks about the church as kind of the transformation zone where joy gets into people's lives. And he mentions a couple of key things that have to happen. And I want to just mention these, write these down. And one is the strong and the weak have to get together. The church has to be a place where the strong and the weak come together. Because the weak can't get there on their own and the strong have learned how to do it over time. So there's... And, and can I just say, you're not always one or the other? You know, as the oldest in the room, smile first on this thing, right? We need each other. Sometimes you're weak and you need the strong. Sometimes you're strong and you need to help the weak. And we want to be a place that fosters, not just here in our midst, but reaching out 
and touching the weak and having something to give to those who are needing a help and a helping hand and just some encouragement. The second piece that he mentioned, that Wilder mentioned in his book, was being a multi-generational place of connection. Multi-generations. And here's what happens. If we can get, you know, and just in our immaturity, we need things to be just like us. Okay? So we need places to connect where I go, okay, yeah, everybody's my age, and I, like that. Okay? That's, that's one piece. But we need the generations connecting together because it's the older people that have figured out how to do life in joy. And then they need to help those 20s and 30s and who in turn are helping the young guys. And when all three of those generations connect together, you are building a place that's going to be healthy. Okay? Well, the older people hopefully figured out how to do joy. Emmanuel, there's my word for you. Emmanuel, Jesus is the way, the truth, the life, His presence in our lives. That's where we find the fullness of that joy. But you know what older people need that younger people have? Energy. Things to do, things to do, things to do. And older people get weary and tired. And they say, oh yeah, there's still stuff to do. And I'm going to step into your cyclone of a whoa kind of world. And I want to bring some joy to you and speak some life to you. Does that make sense? We want to be that kind of community. And it means bringing differences together as well. Romans 14 talks about differences, different things we eat, different things we drink. And, uh, and it's okay. Romans 14:17 says the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It's righteousness, peace, and what? Joy in the Holy Spirit. So the kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we want to be about that and fostering um, that kind of diversity. I don't know if I'm out of breath because I stepped down one step real fast. If I did, that's embarrassing. I'll try not to do that for the rest of the message. The second piece... Second piece here, it means growing, not only as a community marked by joy, but also it means growing in the mission that's marked by joy. In the mission that's marked by joy. You look at the salvation stories in the book of Acts, and what you see is joy connected to all that stuff. Those people, they're happy because they've got Jesus. They're happy because they heard the gospel. They're happy because their life was changed. You know, so in Acts chapter uh, 8... The gospel comes to Samaria and it says there was great joy in the city because the gospel came. Good news came. Jesus, the news about Jesus. Pisidian Antioch, salvation comes. And even persecution comes with the salvation that's come to them. And it says later, right at the end of chapter, I think it's chapter 13 or 14. I didn't write the verse down, but it says the disciples were filled with joy. Now they got salvation but they've also got persecutions. And they're still filled with joy. Amazing, right? Um, Philippian jailer. He's about to kill himself. The jail cells are all open. There's been an earthquake. He's about to kill himself on his sword. Paul says, don't do it. You know, don't do it. We're all here. And he preaches the gospel to him and he believed that night and immediately at that hour of the night he and his whole family were saved and then he took them into his house, fed them, and it says the Philippian jailer was filled with great joy. Now Paul 
Again, throughout his different letters, I'm thinking of 1 Thessalonians right now, he says to the Thessalonians, you are my joy and you are my crown. So the people who receive the gospel, they're filled with joy. The people who give the gospel, they're filled with joy. The people who share Jesus with others, filled with joy. There's joy all around when the mission is happening. There was joy today. I mean, we're cheering for Addie. You know, thank you, Lord. Yes. A couple weeks ago, 13 baptisms. Yes. It makes us joyful. I want to see more. Who wants to see more? You know, I want to see lots of people come to know Jesus and start walking with Him. We were not made to simply be consumers. Amen. Shout me down. We were not made to simply be consumers. We were made to share, to help, to love, to serve, to lay our lives down. If something's moving forward, somebody is sacrificing. You may think things just happen around here and there's, it just all just kind of rolls along real smooth. If something's moving forward around here, somebody is sacrificing and laying down their life. For something to move forward, there's got to be space that's made for the weak. You know, and if you're mature or growing in maturity, what a mark of that maturity is that you start having capacity to actually help some other people. That's one of the marks of maturity. It's just being able to help. I've got a little space in my life. It may not be a bunch, but I've got a little space for some other people in my life. And uh, it, I just want to say, too, it's not, it's not an option. So, so God created this people in Christ. And this people, all the people, have a mission. To be in this people is to be a part of this mission. It's, it's not optional. It's not like, I'm going to join the people of God, I'm going to be in Christ, and I'm going to decide whether or not I want to be a part of the mission or not. It doesn't work that way. The whole people have a mission, and we're moving forward. It's always been that way. Okay? So we may not see it that way. We may, in our individualistic culture, Western mindset, go, I'm going to receive Jesus, and then I'm going to choose whether or not I want to be a part of the mission. And it does not work that way. This people, we are the people because of Jesus. And He's given us a mission. This people have a mission together to fulfill, to love people, to share His life, to bring ultimately, like Jesus says, joy, His joy, to the world. Our vision is to share and multiply the life of Christ in the church, right here, starting right here, and reproducing that life all over the place through new disciples that, sh that make disciples, through new life groups that reproduce and make other life groups, through new congregations like this one that's life-giving, multiplying, reproducing, Christ-manifesting church. We want to share this life and see it spring like fire all over the place, this region, this state, this nation, and the nations of the earth. That's what we want to do. That's what we're about. That's what God's called us to do. That's our specific expression of who we are in this place. And that's why we do life groups. That's why we come together in community that's on mission together. That's why we do core. That's why we have a discipleship school. That's why we do launch. That's why we have a church planting school for missionaries to help reproduce this whole thing. If somebody's called to go do it somewhere else, they're in a laboratory environment like Christ Fellowship, this community of joy, where you're seeing how to do the stuff, and then you can go somewhere else and do the stuff. Is this clear? I'm casting vision right now. 
I'm almost there. Last piece. It means growing as a community, growing in the mission, and growing with a culture marked by joy. So culture is like DNA. You know, it's the air that we breathe in and out. I like that, that phrase from the Matt Redman song that we sang there at the end. I'm breathing in your grace and I'm breathing out your praise. I'm breathing in your grace. I'm breathing out your praise. I'm breathing in your love and I'm breathing out your joy. You know, that's kind of what Jesus was saying there in John 15. But culture, I have an old friend named Scott Wood. Some of you guys remember Scott. Scott would always talk about worldview and culture. And Scott would say, hey, culture is what happens when a people come together and they figure out a common solution to some kind of problem that they have. So it could be how they do their water or what their clothes look like to keep them warm in a certain place, part of the world or whatever. And so the kingdom of God people that are living on the earth in community together, we are to have a culture that's marked by joy because we know, we've learned that our problems are best overcome when we have joy set out there in front of us. So it's to be like a culture. It's like a language. And you don't come out of the womb knowing how to speak joy. You don't know, come out knowing how to speak English or whatever language, right? And so it's, it's a language that we have to learn. It's an accent that we, we put on things. It's like, I want to be a thankful person. I want that accent to be on my life. I want the accent of joy to be on my life. Somebody with me? So it's, it's, a, it's a culture, it's a language, it's an accent. And we help each other find the presence of God in the midst of trials. We've hit this. It's not all just one straight up road to the right. Joys in Emmanuel. Finding the presence of Jesus together is absolutely the key to joy. So how do we walk this out? How do we do this? What's the, so what? So walking this thing out means that we're building on the things that we've talked about in this series. Just that joy beyond words gets worked out in our lives when we have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. When we have our identity in Christ that leads to a joyful kind of life. Even in the midst of trials, we're looking forward to the joy. Just like Jesus, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross. And so we have that kind of thing working in the rhythms and the ups and downs. We're turning to the Lord each morning by morning and wanting to abide with Him during the day. And it also means seeing the importance of community. And I just, again, I'm making a case. I've done this so many hundreds of times in the last couple of decades. But I'm making a case for commitment, for locking arms on the journey. We need people to lock arms with and to be together with on the journey to help us figure out how to live with joy in the midst of hard times, to live, with, live in life in the midst of hard times. It means serving others and caring about the mission, getting outside of our comfort zones. It also means connecting with people who aren't just like me. You know, we just did a life group run. It just multiplied. But in that life group, right before we multiplied, we had people in their 30s. We had people in their 40s. We had people in their 50s. And we had people in their 60s. And the, the, the wealth of wisdom and life experience that was passed all the way down, and that's just one little window 
in the church. And I know there's lots of other groups that have other kinds of windows. You know, teens, 20s, 30s, 20s, 30s, 40s. All those different age groups and things. There's stuff to get from one another as we live and as we walk this thing out. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much there. Your, your destiny isn't to walk through life disconnected. It's not to walk through life with our heads down, missing significant life-changing relationships walking right past us. You know, and, and so when we come together like this, the opportunity for us meeting people that are going to have this incredible impact on our lives is incredible. It really is. For pressing through difficulties, for expecting joy together, the harmonies that can only come when we're living life together. It's the way, you know, when, when people that don't know the Lord come into this and they start experiencing this kind of life and this kind of joy together, it's attractive. It's like Jesus is putting Himself on display in your countenance. And you may be going through hard times, but He's still, He's given you grace to be an encouragement to somebody else. That's what He does. It's so good. It's a reality. It's the kingdom of God, and it's this culture that's created in the process of walking this thing out. And it is what a lost and hurting world desperately desperately needs to see. Okay? Stand up if you would. On this Mother's Day, you guys, I'm encouraging you to turn to Jesus Christ.